0: Father we thank you for this time together. Uh, We thank you uh, for the fellowship we can have in Christ over screens if not face to face. We pray that you'll be with us this evening. We pray that you'll speak to us from your word. Amen. Um, And hopefully you've got a Bible. If not I'll give you a moment to go and grab one and we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6 starting at verse 11. But you man of God. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith grace be with you all and i wonder have you doubted god over this last week doubted god's sovereignty how can he have a plan how can he be in charge if this is what has happened or doubted god's goodness How could a good God let a disease like COVID-19 sweep so mercilessly through our country and our world? Or maybe even doubted God's existence. If God were really there, surely he wouldn't be letting this happen. If you have doubted, then you're in company with Timothy. Because Timothy, we've learned as we've read this letter from Paul to him, was doubting. He was doubting the gospel he'd been taught. Doubting whether it was the only true gospel. Doubting whether it needed to be fought for. Doubting whether it was powerful. Doubting whether it was worth holding on to and, li- and living for. And as we look at this passage, the conclusion of this letter from Paul to Timothy, we see here two final words to Timothy. Two final instructions that contain two wonderful truths about God. Truths that I hope will fill our hearts with joy. This evening and as we go into the coming week. The first, God has given you life so guard the gospel wholeheartedly. God has given you life so guard the gospel wholeheartedly. From verses 11 to 16 and verse 20 and 21. And Paul spent um, chapter 6 verses 2 to 10 condemning false teachers uh, who've been promoting the gospel for their own financial gain. But you, Paul writes in verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all this. So Timothy is to do the complete opposite of what these men have been doing. He's to flee from this path of behaviour. And instead, he's to turn to and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. Um, we don't have time to consider now why Paul chose, chose those uh, seven values in particular. But his instruction is clear. Timothy is to be totally different. Why? Well, he's to be totally different because he is totally different. He's to be totally different because he is totally different. How? Or well, Timothy has been given life. Now, when Paul talks about life in this letter, he isn't talking about mere physical existence or living life to the full or the roller coaster of life or or whatever other images might spring to mind. He's got something much bigger in mind. You can have a look in chapter one of 1 Timothy, verse 16, or um, 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. And so follow with me in in verse 12 now of chapter 6. Take hold of the eternal life. To which you were called, Paul says. Timothy has been called to eternal life. And that isn't just life that, that keeps going and doesn't end. Verse 19, it is life that is truly life. Life without pain, life without sickness, life without sin, life without death, life with God. I've um, been reading Isaiah in my quiet times this week. Um, we don't have time to go into it, but there are just so many glorious disp- depictions of what eternal life will be like uh, in Isaiah's prophecies, and um, yeah, go away and have a read. And Timothy is totally different from because Timothy has been given life, and so have we. and so have we. Isn't that a wonderful encouragement this week? I think so often in life in general, we're focused on what we don't have. The job, the house, the friends, the family, the possessions, the holiday, the lifestyle that others have that we wish we had. And I think that's even more the case in a crisis like this one. We're so wrapped up in, in what we've lost and what we lack, the ability to meet as a church face-to-face on a Sunday morning, the ability to just go out and meet a friend in a cafe the ability to have a night off the kids with the grandparents babysitting. I can't tell you how much of the last few days I have spent worrying about how and whether I was going to get a Saturday newspaper. How could I possibly relax at the weekend without a newspaper? And we become jealous of each other when we see others with what we lack. In a self-isolating family, who are jealous of the family who are still socialising a little. Or the person who struggles in their flat share, jealous of the person who has great housemates or the medic who's jealous of those who don't have to work, or the person who doesn't have to work who's jealous of the person who's still got the routine and structure of working. We're so wrapped up in what we've lost and what we lack that we forget what we have. We forget that we have life, eternal life, life with God, life to all its fullness, Jesus said. Saturday morning newspaper, eternal life, doesn't really compare, does it? Timothy has been given life, and so have we. And from where has Timothy got this life? Well, verse 13, from God, who gives life to everything. And just look at the description we get of God in verses 15 to 16. a Description that should make our hearts leap with joy. Let's read it again. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, who no one has seen or can see. That's the God who has given Timothy life. The God who is blessed, truly happy, eternally fortunate. The God who is the ruler in charge of everything and the only ruler despite what the powers of this world might say. The God who is not just the king, but top king. Not just Lord, but Lord number one. The God who's the only one that death cannot touch. who lives in such pure, bright light that not only can we not go near him, we cannot even look at him. That's the God. He's given Timothy life. That's the God. He's given us life. You see, Timothy is totally different from these false teachers. He's not to think he's similar to them. He's totally different from them. But he's also totally different from God. He's not to think that he's similar to God. God is way, way above Timothy. He's way above anything that Timothy or any of us can even imagine. And so often I think we kind of reduce God. You know, We sing with the children about how big God is, how great he is we make him small like us and in a crisis we can often let him become even smaller like Dan said this morning it's certainly been the case for me this week we're quick to act when trouble hits but we're not so quick to pray God kind of gets crowded out of our vision it becomes all very practical Uh, whether that's big picture stuff you know how am I going to look after my vulnerable parents grandparents my sibling who lives alone what's going to happen with my job Uh, how are we going to make life work with kids at home all day, every day, for months, Uh, and and the details, practically, the things we took for granted. What about the week of holiday I was looking forward to? Um, Can I still take my kids to the playground? Um, Where am I going to find a bottle of semi skimmed milk? Uh, And we reduce Scott. We look at him through our little viewfinders and he seems tiny. But what we need to do is the complete opposite. Surely now is the time to stand back, and see him for how big he really is, as much as we can even comprehend that. How do we do that? I've been thinking about this for a while. I think we actually need to step away from the coronavirus, just for a moment, and see the bigger picture. And look at God, not through the lens of coronavirus, what's he gonna do about it or in it? How's he gonna work? How can we serve him in light of it? Just look at him as he is and read his word not not just for quick encouragement and trying times although he certainly gives us that in his word but just read his word to see him to hear whatever he wants to say to us from it about who he is and what he's like and to pray and we certainly should pray about the coronavirus but not just to pray about that to pray about him about how glorious and wonderful he is And how privileged we are to know him. Timothy is nothing like the false teachers. And he is nothing like God. God is so far above and beyond Timothy. And he's so far above and beyond us. So how is Timothy to be different? The end of verse 13. I charge you to keep this command. And Paul um, summons a heavenly audience here, reminding Timothy that as Timothy confessed God's gift of life to him before many witnesses, well so now Timothy hears and responds to Paul's command in the presence of even greater witnesses, in the sight of God and Christ Jesus. I charge you to keep this command, says Paul. How? Without spot or blame. For how long? Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the command? Well, it's probably just the command that's run the whole way through the letter. And you can see it in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, or chapter 1, 18 and 19, or chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And we see it again in the closing verses of the letter, verse 20 Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. It's the command to guard the gospel, the command to live breathe and teach the gospel. The command to fight for the faith against false teaching in the church. We could um, have a whole other sermon on on this command and and what it would look like to keep it in the present climate. But, But for now, let me just say that for Paul, it's essential. It's paramount. Because Timothy is different, because Timothy has been given life by God himself, that he keeps this command and guards the gospel, and surely it is for us too. God has given you life, so guard the gospel wholeheartedly, Paul says to Timothy. Secondly, God gives us all good things, so use what you have to serve. God gives us all good things, so use what you have to serve verses 17 to 19. Um, Before he finishes the letter, Paul jumps back to the subject of money, which he addressed in the first half of chapter 6. There he described what not to do and what not to be like, and don't love money, don't seek to get rich. And he gave the kind of general principle in verse 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Here he spells out what, what rich Christians should instead do with their money. And it's worth noting, the answer isn't simply give it all away. It's, it's more nuanced than that. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Put your hope in God, not your bank balance. Put your hope in God. Instead of enjoying and feeding that quiet little voice in your heart uh, that tells you, haven't you done well? God has really gifted you. You've been such a good steward of the things God has given you. Instead of putting your trust in your mortgage, your holiday fund, the bit you've got tucked away for a rainy day, or for the future, or for your pension pot, put your hope in God, not, not your bank balance. Trust him, says Paul. Why? Two reasons, um, a negative and a positive. The negative, money is so uncertain, verse 17. I think we can see that in the current climate more than ever. Money cannot be relied upon. There one moment, gone the next. And the positive, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If we want satisfaction, if we want security, if we want good things, God is a much, much better place to look for them than Amazon Prime or right, White Move or Expedia. God loves to give us good things, good things for us to enjoy. And I wonder um, if this is a bit of a challenge to the way we sometimes subconsciously think about God. We sort of think of him as the strict school teacher pouring just enough ghoul into your bowl. Or the parent forcing broccoli into their child's mouth as they grimace because it's good for them. No, I don't think that's the image we're getting in these verses. God loves to give us good things, things for us to enjoy. He gives us everything for our enjoyment, this verse says. That doesn't mean that he never gives us spiritual medicine things that we only realise are good for us after the event. But we do need to hear that he gives us good things, things for us to enjoy. Ultimately, of course, in eternity. But even now, I think those words are true. His gifts for us are far better than anything we will find on Amazon Prime. So let's enjoy them. And again, doesn't that truth warm our hearts? As we cancel holidays and trips we've been looking forward to. As we look nervously at our bank balances and think it might have to be a little bit longer before we get the next laptop upgrade. As we wonder if we're ever gonna be able to afford to move house or to buy that flat. God loves to give us good things, things for us to enjoy. Come to him. He'll bless you abundantly. He'll give you good things. I wonder, do you believe that? Put your hope in God, not your bank balance, says Paul. And he goes on in verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Because your hope is in God, says Paul, and you know God is rich in giving you good things, you can be rich in giving them away. You can be rich in giving them away. Use what you have to serve. For God will supply your every need. We know that from Matthew 6. He'll give you good things to enjoy and as you give your good things away, verse 19, you will lay up treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Much as uh, we may mock it, I think probably most of us would have to admit that we've been tempted if not to panic buy, maybe to stock up a bit, to buy a little bit more than a, than a week's worth of a toilet roll or milk or our, our favourite breakfast cereal over this past week or two. But you don't need to, says God. You don't need to. He'll supply our needs. He'll give us good things to enjoy. We can trust him, not our bank balances. And we can serve. Maybe that's um, rounding down the receipt rather than adding up each individual item when you go shopping for someone stuck at home. Maybe that's finding new ways to be generous to people now you can't so easily have them around for a meal or take them out for a coffee or for lunch. Maybe that's maintaining your giving to church, considering whether you could even raise it as John asked us to last Sunday, even though your salary feels a bit less secure than it did a month ago. Our hope is in God, and we know that he's rich in giving us good things so we can be rich in giving them away. We're free to serve. And then we have the most incredible example of this in Jesus. Jesus, who had everything, but made himself nothing. who gave it all away to serve us. And Jesus, who didn't just do it to show us, to give us an example of what we might do. Jesus, who did it for us, giving up his life to give us life. And Jesus, who graciously gives us everything we need and far more, sustaining our every breath as we feed on him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. Thank you that you give us life. And you give us all good things. Help us to trust you in scary times help us to fix our eyes on jesus who's given us life and sustains every moment of our waking amen